In today's episode, I'm talking to Hamish Grierson, CEO and co-founder of Thriver. Thriver is helping people with personalized health advice by providing regular and affordable home blood testing kits. Next to the baseline test, which assesses general health conditions, the company also provides specialized tests, for example, on diabetes. Thriver has raised about $1.5 million in funding from the likes of 500 startups, Seedcamp, uh, Tavit Henriquez, the founder of TransferWise, and a lot of other prominent angels. It's great to have you on the show, Hamish. Great to be here. Thanks very much for having a chat. You actually personally, you used to run international payments and remittances for Travelex. So how did it happen that you transitioned from that sort of fintech background into actually setting up a health company? Yeah. So maybe um, slightly unusually, maybe not. We are a trio of co-founders, all of whom came from financial services uh, originally. And uh, the short answer to your question is that we ended up in a position where myself and Elliot uh, were working together at Travelex. And really all we were doing was innovating in financial services by building consumer-centric product. Um, difficult to do quickly within fintech, actually, but that was fundamentally what we were setting out to do. And I'd become very interested um, personally in I guess originally nutrition. Um, I'd gotten slightly swallowed up into paleo dieting in a bid to uh, look better in my wedding suit, which is um, entirely vanity derived originally. And I essentially got switched on to what you'd probably think of as the Tim Ferriss wormhole. So I became really interested in how much control you can have over your body. And health, if you like, became a bit of a hobby. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later because we see that show up a lot in our customers. Mm. Um, Elliot had, since he was about 14 or 15, been dealing with a hereditary condition, which meant that he has elevated cholesterol. Actually, very common. I mean, if you, you just met Elliot, he's fit as a fiddle, you wouldn't know to look at him. And he'd been getting regular blood testing um, for many years. And one day I started asking him about that process and how he dealt with it and whether or not he'd ever sort of run experiments on himself to try and maybe reduce his reliance on the drugs that he was taking or, you know, generally try to uh, shift away from uh, the sort of standard medical um, uh, interventions. Out of curiosity, I wasn't presupposing that that was the right thing to do. And he sort of uh, laughed at me and said, well, actually, um, I've got no data. And really from there on out, the two of us became fascinated by why it was that within health, though it impacts millions and millions of people at a, an acute end all the way through to an um, optimization end, there is so little out there um, that is consumer-centric and affordable, uh, intuitive, uh, and I suppose, you know, certainly from our perspective, really importantly, actionable. And that led us to a conversation around what actually happens if you materially bring down the barriers to... Um, enable people to understand what's happening inside their bodies and the very very rapid conclusion we came to uh, we started you know bringing in um, the requisite medical expertise to really help us understand uh, the internal uh, mechanisms within the body um, is a great deal of good can be done um, but it does start with taking the friction out of access to that information now you walk out on the streets and say to people hey have you heard of a blood test of course everyone's heard of a blood test and typically they can give you a, a rough indication of the sort of things that might be valuable okay do you do that proactively no of course i don't and yeah i mean for us and i could talk for a long time about um the problems with the system but really foundationally for us what we think the nhs is fantastic at and really should be left alone to be uh, able to continue being great at is sick care and serious care you know if it's 
just able to do those things fantastically, actually we think it's incumbent on innovators in the health space to help people to stay well. If you get sick, by all means, you know, those systems are there and they're fantastic, probably the best in the world, actually. Um, but the opportunity that we see um, for the population at large is using products and services that can keep you out of those um, out of those systems. The final part of the story I really should add is that Tom, who's sitting just over there, was the third leg of the Thriver tripod. So we realized very quickly that um, Thriver was going to be a technology platform uh, at its heart. Neither of Elliot and I were technologists. So um, we brought Tom on board and two became three. And that was back in uh, the early part of 2016. I, I totally see where you eliminate the friction. I, I think I myself have been using Thriver and before that wanted to do a blood test, but it took me, I think, a year because the NHS system just, you know, requires me to go somewhere and, you know, to make an appointment and to explain myself why I'm doing this. And, you know, uh, it was yeah, so frictionless right. for me to to just go ahead, order it, do it, get the results done, right? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But what's the massive problem you're trying to solve? You talked about preventative health, and that's the, the big vision. Are you are you trying to replace the NHS, or are you trying to create the prevent NHS of prevention here? What, what, what's the kind of massive problem or massive vision that you're trying to accomplish here? It's a lovely way of putting it, the NHS of prevention. Look, I think um, to understand where we think of ourselves positionally relative to the existing services, be they private or public, and everything else... Um, you have to unpick a couple of key concepts that we think are really, really interesting. Um, if you're sick, as a definition that's really, really well understood. What is unfortunately really badly understood is what well theoretically represents. And um, depending on who you ask, you are either sick or you are well. Now, you go and talk to most people who are not in a hospital or in a GP surgery and ask them about the kind of things that they are living with. Everyone is living with this amazing array of questions, curiosities, minor problems, um, uh, desires, optimization requirements that sit under this banner of theoretically well, but in practice, very much not. Um, everyone's just, you know, out there being absolutely fine. And these things are, as you might imagine, a sliding scale. So whether it's you know, understanding why I haven't bounced out of bed in the way that I used to. You know, why is my uh, libido slowing down? Why can't I shift the weight? What's my diet doing to me? What about the stress that I've been living with for the course of the last year because I've been working 3am shifts at the law firm or, you know, less extreme versions. You know, farmers probably work just as hard. You know, what is it about um, my ethnicity or my family history that I might have um, uh, inherited that is important for me to understand? Really, when I talk about the big problem that we're trying to solve. We're trying to um, equip people with the requisite information, as in the appropriate information, um, to be able to make massive advancements towards solving or improving some of the things that they wrestle with every single day. Um, so we have started out, as you rightly pointed out, by taking a lot of the, um, the friction out of access to uh, regular blood testing. Uh, but we're just about to launch a saliva-based cortisol test that looks at the map of your um, stress hormone over the course of 24 hours. It's a hugely important determinant of a whole variety of different things. It can impact how you put weight on because it changes how the body uh, metabolizes uh, glucose and stores fat. Uh, it can have an impact on uh, some of the key thyroid functions. A microcosm example of something that is, in theory, you know, stresses this tiny thing over here in isolation, but in practice it can have this huge set of consequences if it's something showing up in the physical mechanics of you know, how you actually operate internally as out of whack. So I think the 
you know, the interesting thing that we found when we started out, people compared us to the GP, blood testing versus blood testing. And if you look at where Thrive is uh, today and where it's going, certainly over the course of the next six to nine months, what you're going to start seeing is actually this is not comparable to your GP. We are massive fans of what the GP um, primary care product can deliver. And what we're trying to create is something, as I say, that keeps people out of that system, providing them with, yes, paid for at the moment directly by the consumer as opposed to being free at the point of need but nonetheless products and services that as i say address that wide set of health issues that people people live with as much as we have gaps in the uk and the nhs and we might not focus as much on preventative care if you look globally there there is a lot of countries that might struggle much more with the health systems than we do here in the uk so i'd be keen to learn a bit more about your global vision is your vision also to deliver this to remote areas and countries that might not have a doctor in you know 100 miles radius to for me to be able to manage my health uh, what, what what's the global ambition here with thriver so i think you know first principles it is a global ambition you know we do want to take it um outside of just the uk though i mean actually we do perceive that the opportunity within the uk is material um a couple of things just to i guess note from our view of international expansion um the first is to some degree if you're taking the exact same operational mechanics that we have in the uk to another country example a country where um you don't have a particularly robust postal service unfortunately just the exact operational map that we have today wouldn't necessarily stand up in you know the outer reaches of um parts of africa or, or latin america as much as we would love to be able to get to those people precisely because actually they are probably the ones most in need um you know babylon have done some really interesting work in rwanda for example now that said there are countries where there are leapfrog opportunities that don't map exactly to what we're doing in the uk but where um, cost of labor is um, comparably so much lower that you start being able to put people out into the wild to collect the data. Now, the data could be a blood sample, a saliva sample, a fecal sample, depending on what's appropriate, and where you've got a sufficiently high degree of mobile penetration and internet penetration that you start being able to, to close the loops. Assuming, of course, that you've got a relatively standardized um, laboratory or processing capability. So that's how we think about the um, the geographies where you don't have the ability to sort of map directly to what we do in the UK. Outside of that thinking, you've got countries that are you know, more like the UK, the US being a, a primary example of that, where actually we think the opportunity is really to do something similar to what we're doing here. The only addendum to that is you do have places like uh, Brazil, um, uh, Russia, Estonia, to name but a few, where there's actually a relatively well-ingrained cultural norm of going and getting a blood test or having someone come to you in um, uh, certain places in India. But what is markedly missing is the product, the service, and the data intelligence that sits on top of that data. So oftentimes, people might go for their annual bloods, typically, actually, um, and you walk out with a PDF, if you're lucky, maybe it'll get emailed to you, and that's what you have. That's your, that's your product experience. It's not a service at all. And uh, a way of thinking about what the opportunity might be within markets like that is, okay, we just care about the data. If I could magic it out of your body without you having to prick your finger and provide a small sample of blood, of course we would do that. So if you've got the information sitting there and you're already culturally woven into this idea of popping in for a blood test once a year, maybe more frequently than that, we can start using that information plugged into our system, doing all of the CRM engagement, intelligence, um, insight delivery, lifestyle uh, advice and change supplementation 
that we're doing in the UK. It's just by a slightly different means. There's nowadays a bunch of tests I can do, right? So there is DNA testing, 23andMe. There is blood testing like you guys do. There is uh, gut biome testing uh, by companies like Viome. So I can probably do a range or a dozen of tests on me on a regular basis. What I'm interested in, on the one hand, can we over-test as well and make, drive ourselves crazy with all these tests? And then on the other hand, what is where could this move to? Um, I think I always have this picture in my mind, like what if we could just have something in our body that tells us in real time if yeah. something is wrong with us, you know, looks at the blood constantly. Obviously, we might be a bit further away from that vision. But w w where will this all go? Will we all be doing like 20 tests every month and just like go crazy about our health? Or w what do you think will will happen with, with all this personalized health and prevention? So... To, to answer your first question or, or observation first, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a real danger of over-testing, stimulating, uh, I, I guess, at a, at a worst case, panic where there oughtn't to be any um, information for information's sake, as the likes of Facebook and Twitter are finding out. Actually, you know, it doesn't live in a moral vacuum. You need to be really, really conscious that when people test, they're provided with information. That information is going to do something to how they think and how they feel. So we set a, a very high bar for ourselves that no one should either take a test that they don't need or not have a test made available to them that they do need. Now, we are going to start cutting across. We're, we're doing a big project at the moment looking at microbiome analysis. Now, with microbiome as an example, gut health, um, uh, as it's otherwise um, considered, though they're not entirely the same thing, the science actually really isn't there yet in terms of being able to say this exact makeup of um, microbiota mean ABCD, and therefore you can do things GEF um, uh, and down, forgetting my alphabet there for a moment, um, it's been a long week that can start addressing some of the things that we've seen as problematic. So a huge amount of it is correlative rather than causal. Same thing with DNA. So look, we are probably like most healthcare or health tech providers aware that in a perfect world, you'd have this mixture of predisposition for inherited diseases born of understanding your DNA. You'd understand how your microbiome or your gut health is evolving over time. And you'd certainly understand what's happening within your blood chemistry. Um, Because actually the, the three of those things in, um, uh, uh, you know, it's a, a correlated picture would be fantastic. The issue that you always have to balance off is where is the science? Where is the customer understanding at? And how much does it all cost? Two and three are to some degree related, of course. Because if it costs 500 pounds, then clearly you're going to threshold uh, the addressable market or, or throttle the addressable market. But yeah, I think um, if you look at the Thriver product today, just to give you a small example of how you know, we're trying to kind of tackle this uh, issue. Having done a test, we take two data signals. What you've told us you're focused on could be, you know, or told us is important to you. I'm a vegan uh, or vegetarian. And what we've seen in your blood work to surface other potentially relevant tests for you. And we explain exactly why they might be relevant, let you link out to the research that we think is the most compelling form of the research. And obviously we work with our medical director and all of our experts to make sure it's credible. And then we let you decide. You know, we're not trying to force you to do it. That's absolutely the antithesis of what this is about. So that, you know, if you are vegan and you don't know that 
you might want to think about your omega-3 and 6 ratio because you don't tend to eat much oily fish if you're vegan and vegetarian and omega-3 is typically found in oily fish. And if you're not supplementing, it might be something that you want to think about. So that's just a little example. Um, but yeah, no, super interesting. Absolutely has to be dealt with responsibly. What's the science fiction here? Like, what kind of ideas would you have? Where, yeah, it's where, exciting. Where, where science could move, where, you know, you might not even post anything to me anymore. It might be some sort yeah. of device that's attached to me or that m m makes it almost real time to detect diseases. Is, is that something that you think about at all? Or well, I've trialed, very far away? I've trialed some of the early products, actually. So it's um, with very niche applications, that's actually already here. So it's probably on the clunky end of the spectrum. This is not ready for mass market adoption uh, in some senses yet, but Abbott have a product. Uh, it's a little patch called the Freestyle Libre, and it looks at your glucose levels. It's particularly um, uh, valuable to diabetics who would otherwise have to prick their finger and put it on a glucometer um, and it's fascinating to see what combination of foods and alcohol um, uh, generally spike or don't and what the shape of those spikes are it's super interesting um, now look that is uh, something that is you know pretty much only used by diabetics and um, the Uh, forgive the pun bleeding edge of the quantified self movement for now but that is certainly something that's coming on stream i think what you're going to see hardware manufacturers challenged by you know the idea is oh i can just do this all with a watch actually the research seems to suggest the power of a device that's trying to essentially investigate something beneath skin depth so far as i've understood the science it'll burn the skin before it's able to accurately see what's happening beneath it. So it might be that you have to have a little needle maybe, or eventually something will sit within um, uh, the body itself rather than trying to bridge the gap. Uh, I think that's actually probably that's more likely. And well, look, we can get into um, some slightly dystopian conversations <laughs> about, you know, where <laughs> microbiology and, um, and if you've ever read the Wait But Why posts on, where the combination of machine learning, AI, and um, robotics gets to. But it's it's a slightly scary picture, but we're a long way off from that. Um, just to say very briefly, I think, you know, there are companies, of course, um, trying to create, I'll call them set-top, you know what I mean, it's at-home testing. Mm. Um, again, super exciting. We would love to partner with some businesses like that to start seeing whether it's appropriate for our, our customers. The one thing that we know to be true, um, certainly in the UK, is health is not in this sense and build it and they will come product you know or market they they the manufacturers people like us have to be able to communicate to consumers or potential consumers what they're actually going to be able to do that is of value to them with immediate effect and you know some of the challenges that the likes of fitbit have is they've got very high um uh, takeoff rates as in people take them off because what you hear is people don't act differently on the basis of the information so It's coming. I think it's probably still at least a couple of years away um, before it's mass market ready. Um, it'll always have challenges of, okay, this is a new way of testing. Does it have the same credibility? Um, but there are some brilliant businesses attacking that space. So yeah, we're, we're excited. We'd like to partner with them. I'll move back from the crazy future visions to the reality of starting Thriver, actually. So when you first started out and had this idea, okay, all these tests that the NHS is doing in their labs, we want to enable people to do them from their home or at least collect the samples from the home and do the testing what were the main challenges uh, you had to overcome with that what are the what, what's problematic about testing at home and how how did you solve for that um there are lots of things that are problematic about testing from home i mean look, we have a um a unique 
opportunity and challenge. Barriers to first use don't get much higher than bleeding. We have learned. Um, so the sorts of things that we had to spend a huge amount of time on were, you probably in the round describe them as product design. Now our product transcends digital and physical, but we set a very, very high bar uh, internally with respect to anything that we put out in front of a customer for the simple reason that we know it's scary. Lots of people haven't even um, considered that you could test your blood at home yourself and that it's pretty much painless. So, you know, the education, the engagement, the credibility, um, a huge amount of that is born from or born of how the, uh, the end-to-end interaction flows, how easy is the information to interpret, how well do the instructions tie back to the kit design, um, how do you talk about the results, how do you expose information as part of the results uh, in a, a hierarchy or in a framework that doesn't overwhelm and doesn't basically create the kind of panic that you're actually looking to um, uh, prevent in the first place. So we put a lot of work into product design. Now, there was, of course, a lot of thinking around the regulatory environment. We had to get some legal advice to make sure that we were not doing something um, uh, that needed to be regulated, and uh, and we're not. We happened to be applying for uh, regulatory approvals to be able to do some other really exciting stuff, but we didn't need it uh, in the early instances. And I think just to point out something that Uh, It's pretty obvious, actually, but it's not until you find yourself running a company that has both physical and digital characteristics to it. You have to create a huge amount of operational mass to bring this to life, right? Um, We have lab integrations, multiple. We have kits. We have suppliers. um, We have a network of freelance doctors. We have a doctor-facing portal, a digital version, uh, of course. And I guess the net of that means that when you're scaling up the business, you can't prioritize from day one just building, you know, killer applications um, using the data. Because let's be honest, you know, there's still a huge amount of work to be done in thinking through the onboarding funnel to get people to... Um, understand this um, uh, the product as they move through it and thinking about the messaging frameworks that you're going to use to try and help people understand it when they're um, uh, when you're prospecting so it was it was just a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to do and actually we're kind of just hitting our stride in terms of putting out product features and um, uh, services that are kind of at the core of the thing that will be ultimately really really differentiated about the business Mm. and Look, I'm super proud of, uh, of the team. They've done an amazing job. But yeah, I guess the reality is that when you're doing a business like Thriver, it um, just takes a bit of extra groundwork. Obviously, there's this prominent case of Theranos in the US, uh, roughly in your space, but uh, with a different methodology. So mm. I don't want to compare you guys. But did you, did you find that there was some sort of backlash or questions that suddenly people kept asking you about your methodology? And maybe you can say how, how that might be different and how that's actually backed by 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 science right um yeah so uh did, did you face any backlash or anything or people questioning you more? yeah i mean so very logical question um almost none and i mean one or two if that customers however every investor so thanks elizabeth that that didn't help um Though I'm being slightly facetious, look, the reality is that it's actually helpful in that it grows awareness for something that can be done without needing to run the risk of um, 
building another Theranos um, and add a huge amount of value to people's lives today. And that's a good thing. The increased awareness is helpful. There's no two ways about that. And, you know, fundamentally where we are innovating is not in the way the blood, to use an example uh, comparable to Theranos, actually gets tested. The labs that analyze Thrivertest are the same labs that process results um, from the NHS. So if you go to the doctor and you get a lab test done, you don't question the credibility of the information you get back. You shouldn't in the same way question it uh, because it comes from the same source uh, with Thriver. So yeah, look, it's... um, it's, it's mercifully a pretty short conversation with investors because they get it pretty quickly, but uh, it doesn't stop it coming up. And lastly, before we finish, I'd like to ask you a question. What are you most excited about with Thriver, uh, let's say, in the next year? You mentioned earlier a little bit uh, your strategy that's going to develop and expand from what you're currently doing. But what, what really drives you? What's most exciting and what should people watch out for? So I think the, look, the short answer to that is we want to help people full stop. That's you know, the, the net of Thriver, we either win or we lose as a company because we either do that effectively or we don't. And today, the number of um, health areas, if you can describe it like that, that we're able to help people with is relatively limited. So we can help people pick up uh, things like vitamin and mineral deficiencies, um, you know, linked up to their diet. We can pick up long-term risk indicators for heart attacks and strokes and diabetes and things like that. But rapidly coming out, are testing types that enable us to really, really add value to people who've got other types of health concerns or problems or curiosities, whether that is a, a gut health curiosity um, linked to you know, their mental well-being potentially. There's a huge amount of research now looking at the gut-brain access and how those two uh, are very powerfully correlated. Whether it's you know, thinking about other types of blood tests that you know, help us um, provide value to women who are trying to conceive all the way through to, um, uh, you know, people who um, might be on a particular diet and how we interpret their information will just get significantly more personalized because we've thought about the appropriateness of the information set that we put in front of someone who's on a keto diet and therefore shouldn't be worried about elevated LDL cholesterol or maybe should, depending on what else they've told us, right? So, to summarize, it's about weaving personalization into absolutely all corners of the product. And that isn't something that we expect people should be trying to get out of anywhere else. I wish you all the best on that journey. It's exciting what you've achieved so far. And I've definitely been, will be ordering my next test soon. So thanks very much for, for taking the time. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.